The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode number 16 of the Adam Shine Podcast, and we are absolutely thrilled to be with you. One of our favorite players in the NFL, part of our playoff-bound Buffalo Bills. Hey, hey, let's go, Buffalo. Quarterback Josh Allen joins us on the Adam Shine Podcast. Review this incredible season, the incredible victory to clinch a spot in the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The scene when they landed in lovely Western New York, and of course the matchup with the big bad New England Patriots coming up on Saturday, which is loaded with playoff implications. So Josh Allen is going to join us on the Adam Shine podcast. We are fired up about that. Three topics for you to get it started. Final game ever in Oakland, the Chargers debacle, and where Drew Brees fits on the GOATS list. Boy, can you imagine being a Raider fan? Final game in Oakland, week 15, and you have the game under control. You're already sad, angry, annoyed, pissed off that the team is relocating. Moving from Oakland to Las Vegas, and that's how you lose? I mean, I was watching that game, sitting on the couch, and I, my shoulders just slumped. I, I felt awful, just terrible for Raider Nation. And first and foremost, how about the refs screwing it up, saying that Derek Carr slid out of bounds and the league has since apologized? I mean... I, I, that is a horrendous job. That impacted the the clock and gave Jacksonville 40 seconds of extra time. Now, being fair, everything else that happened after that, you know, from calling a pass play to the drop to the defense, roughing the passer, Gardner Minshew, Minshew Magic, the defense, it was all a hot mess, but I just felt sick to my stomach for – for all the great fans in the black hole, sick to my stomach for Raider Nation, just awful. I mean, Derek Carr got booed. I, I'm, I'm going to give the fans a pass here, and I, I like Derek Carr. Look, Carr has not played good football over the last four weeks, and I happen to like Derek Carr a lot, but the Jet game, KC game, Tennessee game, game against Jacksonville, he has not played well. But let's be honest here, big picture. This whole season was torpedoed by Antonio Brown. Raiders overachieved. I always pride myself as a host not taking the cheese. I took the cheese. I thought maybe I just miscalculated the team. But they – and they showed a lot of guts and were well coached in the Mike Mayock draft. And it fell apart on that trip to New York against the Jets and – you know, Derek Carr has not played well, but I felt bad for him that he got booed. I still think that Derek Carr should be the quarterback for the Raiders for one year in Vegas. You know, they 
They need a big-time wide receiver. We could talk draft, and there are a ton of amazing receivers in this upcoming draft. You know, are they the team that trades for Odell Beckham Jr.? Are they the team that brings in A.J. Green? They need a legit number one receiver, what Antonio Brown was supposed to be for Derek Carr. And look, I think that the Raiders are going to be rock stars in Vegas. And from a business standpoint, I mean – Listen, the stadium in Oakland was a dump, and they had to they had to change it up. In theory, the Raiders should be in Los Angeles if you were going to start talking about relocation. Raiders should be in L.A., and the Chargers should still be in San Diego. We'll get to that in a second. But they're going to Vegas. You know, I'm concerned early on. You're going to see a lot of fans from different teams. They're going to sell out. I mean, Vegas is a destination city. People are going to travel there to see their favorite team and NFL game. They don't necessarily have to be a fan of the of the Raiders, but I do feel terrible for everyone who grew up in Oakland. You know, people who have been there for a lifetime, love their team, support their team. It's not like when the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to L.A. and you couldn't see them. You'll still see them. You'll still follow them. But I acknowledge it sucks and it rips your heart out and it will never be the same. And the way they lost the final home game ever in Oakland, my heart just breaks for Raider Nation. So that's topic number one. Topic number two, and I referenced it, the Chargers. I mean, this season was a failure. And I I thought the Chargers were going to make the playoffs this year, even after my guy Derwin James got hurt. I thought Kansas City would win the division, but I thought the Chargers were going to make the playoffs. Phillip Rivers, we've talked about it before in the podcast, he's shot. And if the Chargers have a clue... It's a clean break. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and you say, thanks for the memories. I firmly believe Phillip Rivers is the first ballot Hall of Famer. They need a new quarterback. They still have Super Bowl talent. But they've got bigger problems. They don't have any fans. I mean, it's wild, and it's pretty pronounced. I mean, you can hear pouring through the CBS broadcast over the weekend, scold chants. There was a said an amazing picture in the LA Times on Monday of basically a sea of purple where all these fans were going nuts cheering and there's one in the front row said Charger fan wearing a Charger jersey in this sea of purple. I mean, you want to say a picture's worth a thousand words, that was it. And that picture in the LA Times really spoke volumes And now they're moving into the new stadium where it's really the Rams' house and they're basically just renting when they're going to play some games. Last week on Shine on Sports, we had Charger legend LaDainian Tomlinson on the show. And take a listen to what he said. And then my follow-up question, when I asked him about the fan support for the Chargers in Los Angeles. Well, it's been tough, Adam. I mean, there's no mistake about it. It's been tough, and, um, you know, you would like to think that, that winning cures all, and the more you win, the more fans will come out and support. Um, you know, there's a brand-new, shining stadium that that we're going to go into next year, um, and we just got to hope that with, with, you know, more of getting out into the L.A. market, you know, into that community, talking about the things that we care about uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers. You, I hope that the fans will start to back us a little bit more. But here's the thing, you know, L.A., the, the Rams are having problems. Sure. 
know, filling seats. So it's not it's not just our team. Uh, maybe this is an L.A. thing in general. And we know that this has happened in the past, and that's why the teams end up leaving L.A. in the past. But let's just hope that, you know, those people come out and support the teams before it's, it's too late. Well, Danian Tomlinson, of course, with Adam Shine, Shine on Sports, Sirius XM, Mendog Sports Radio. And by the way, when you say too late, I mean, what what are we talking about here in terms of, of the Chargers, where there would be a concern that, you know, they just would fall off, off the cliff in terms of the, the L.A. market? Well, I hope not, but, you know, who knows, you know, with all, all the, the, the talk about, the uh, attention that the, the fans are not coming, and you know there's more opponents uh, fans than there are um, home fans for the Chargers. Um, so, you know, look, we've seen in the past where where teams end up, you know, leaving that LA market. I'm not saying that we're heading there, but we know the NFL is not going to no. just allow that. You know, we know that. So that's why I say before it's too late until the NFL steps in and say. No longer are we going to allow this. Let's do something about it. LT's 100% right. And when LaDainian Tomlinson is talking about the league's going to have to step in and do something, you know, that, that certainly rings true because this is LT, who, by the way, still works for the Chargers as, you know, a liaison and still part of the, the team. And, you know, the Spanos family loves him. But it's a gross miscalculation. And, you know, there, there was still some some issues getting a new stadium, major issues getting a new stadium in, in San Diego. But the Chargers should be in San Diego. And there there's no fan base for them. It's not getting any better. You know, they were without football forever in Los Angeles, California. Now there are two teams. What a disaster. Chargers don't resonate at all. I mean, they were excellent last year. They didn't resonate. I mean, you watch them over the last two years, you know, the Packer game, the Steeler game. Remember that in primetime? You know, the game against the Eagles last season, this year, this past week, the Minnesota Vikings, these national teams with these mega fan bases. You know, the Chargers play every game on the road. It, it sucks the life out of the players. It's not right. It's not fair. And, you know, I think the league has to consider what Danny Tomlinson is saying. Something's got to be done. Speaking of the Chargers, Chargers fans, what was going through your mind when you watched Drew Brees set all sorts of records on Monday Night Football? Listen, I'd make this case. Drew Brees is the greatest free agent signing in the history of the NFL. In fact, I think he's the greatest free agency signing in the history of sports. The only other argument you could have when it comes to the NFL is Reggie White. I would argue most important position in all sports is the, is the quarterback position. You have to also remember he signed with New Orleans post-Katrina. You have to remember there was talks of relocation for the Saints, moving to San Antonio. He basically was the equivalent, Drew Brees was, of Peyton Manning meets the Pied Piper. Because now you have players who can follow Drew Brees, and he put together a legendary career. You know, he should be in that same category. Tom Brady's greatest of all time, but Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, you know, four in this generation that are in that conversation for top 10 ever. 
and Drew Brees is absolutely positively on that level. You know, maybe some still consider, you know, fell in the draft, not that tall. That's hot garbage. Some might give Sean Payton credit, please. You know, you can only evaluate what is. Montana had Walsh, and it was amazing. Belichick Brady, amazing. And now it's Sean Payton and Drew Brees forever, and, you know, continuity with Mickey Loomis running the team. That's not a negative. That's a positive. Drew Brees should be celebrated. He should be validated. He should be stamped. And look, you know, a lot of times when we have these conversations, talk about rings. I mean, Minneapolis miracle, not his fault. Getting hosed by the refs last championship Sunday, not his fault. Sean Payton should have never been suspended for a full season for Bounty Gate, not his fault. Drew Brees, and who knows how much longer he's going to play Drew Brees, a living legend. Coming up next, we're jumping through tables. Bill's Mafia. We've got Josh Allen, your quarterback, next on the Adam Shine Podcast. Sign on sports with Adam Sign. Garrett Cole is a Yankee. Garrett Cole is a Yankee. Garrett Cole, where are the pins drives? How about it? Garrett Cole, nine years, $324 million worth every single penny. Shine on sports. Weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Well, you guys know I'm extra fired up for this. My guy, the outstanding second-year quarterback of the playoff-bound Buffalo Bills, the great Josh Allen. Josh, congratulations on clinching a spot in the playoffs, and welcome back to the show. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Adam. Thank you for having me on again. So you win the game, you make the playoffs. What goes through your mind? Um, I mean, during the game or after? Right after the game, final gun sounds. You're walking across the field to shake hands. What are you thinking about? Well, one, obviously, we were happy we got the W. Um, going into a hostile environment like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, it's it's never an, an easy task. So um, our team played really well. Our defense played outstanding. We made some plays on offense. Um, obviously, there, there's a little bit of relief. You know, you, you clinched yourself and gotten to – gotten to the playoffs but we're not just trying to play just to get into the playoffs so uh, we got two more weeks to go here we got the New England Patriots this week in Foxborough a chance to uh, go in there and then you know um, try to get another win and you know force them to play their hand in week 17 so um, you know we understand that they're still shot at the division title and uh, that's that's really what we're aiming for. Oh, I love that. And Bill's fans are going to be thrilled and get the chills hearing that. And I promise we're going to preview and look ahead. But I do want to make sure we go back because that game, clinching a spot in the playoffs, was so amazing. Josh, I was sweating watching it on my couch. The intensity was unbelievable. Can you describe going up against that Pittsburgh defense, that unbelievable environment, how intense a sporting event the contest that was? Yeah, I mean, one, you see the terrible tale and everybody talks about it. And, you know, it was my first experience in that stadium. Um, you know, it's an, intimidate, an intimidation factor for sure. That crowd's awesome. Um, they love their Steelers. It was a great, great experience to have. Um, you know, and then going in there and getting a, a victory, like I said, is no easy task. 
Um, so I really commend how, how our team played, um, you know, in, in such a crucial game for us. You know, we spent so much time talking about the unsung heroes of the Buffalo Bills. How about the play call and the amazing throw to break the tie Tyler Croft, of all people, at the tight end position, I I don't think Pittsburgh was expecting it. I thought our friend Chris Collinsworth was going to fall out of the NBC booth. Take us through the play call and the execution. Yeah, um, I mean, so it's just it's a corner route there, and Tyler had good leverage on the safety, and he broke it off easy. Our our running back did his job and pulled the corner down low, um, and then just gave him the catch ball to go get, you know, and and Tyler's a really – amazing story for us um you know had, had a couple injuries and the last year or two has been really hard for him um in his football career so that to show up that clutch in, in in such a clutch spot um i mean speaks volumes to the character that he has uh how hard he's been working you know he, he's been working in silence and um you know he, he's always been a team first guy and for him to kind of have his opportunity to make a play and he did you know, I'm really super happy for the man. That's great, and he has been through a lot. What does it say about the next man up and the character and the depth and talent of the Buffalo Bills that that's the guy you hit for that go-ahead touchdown? Yeah, I really think it kind of personifies this team. Um, you know, it's next man up. We're all playing for each other. Nobody's caring about stats. Um, you know, I, I doubt we have any pro bowlers, but – Hey, it's not really what we're playing for. We're playing to to try to win a championship, and uh, and I think most teams would say the same thing. But I think here in Buffalo, it really that's how we mean it. I'll tell you who deserves to be in the Pro Bowl is John Brown, and I said that when you guys signed him. Listen, I thought he was a great move in the off season, perfect fit for you, your arm, his speed. Listen, you guys have had an unbelievable rapport. He's had a tremendous year. No surprise you hit him on a big play during the Pittsburgh game to clinch. Take us through the relationship that has been building all year long and what makes John Brown such an incredible weapon for you and the Bills. Well, I, I first off want to start by saying John is hes an amazing human being. Um, super down to earth. You know, when he first got here, he was super communicative. You know, all he wanted to do was get better. You know, there, there's a quick story about when we played the Giants this year, I over, overthrew him for a touchdown. And I went up to him and said, man, man I owe you one. That's on me. And he goes, Josh, look at the score. I don't care about all that. We're winning the game. Wow. That's what I care about. So, um, for him to say that to me and for him to have the season that he's been having, you know, he's a 1,000-yard receiver, um, you know, deserves to be a pro bowler. And, uh, you know, he, he just puts his head down. He works hard, doesn't talk, doesn't complain. Um, never heard a complaint out of his mouth. So, I mean, I can go on and on about, you know, all the good that I think of John. And we talked about the impact of Brown and Beasley when you guys signed, the Brandon Bean signed, John Brown and Cole Beasley in the offseason. You know, Cole has been such a weapon for you on third down, red zone, you know, kind of like a pretty awesome security blanket. What makes Cole Beasley, when the going gets tough, right guy at the right time? Well, one, again, you know, I can go on and on on how great our guys in this locker room. I love the, I love the guys here. Um but Cole is a quarterback that can do some crazy things at the receiver position. He's super smart. He sees things well. Um, how he gets in and out of his cuts, how low he gets to the ground, it's unbelievable. And, you know, he's been having a really, really good year for us, and um, he's been a huge part of our offense. Um, and, again, he, he's a guy like Smoke where they come into work and they, they work extremely hard. That's all they want to do is work. 
Um, you know, he's one guy that also doesn't complain, does his job. Um, again, I can go on and on about him as well. So I, I love, you know, who we brought in this offseason. Our front office did a great job. And, um, you know, right now we got to find a way to keep things rolling. I think you've had a remarkable second season, lead the Buffalo Bills to the to the postseason. You know, I'm sure there's a couple throws each and every game that you wish you had back. But I think you, you've really done an excellent job with leadership, accuracy, poise, big moments, big spots. Josh, how would you characterize your second season with the Buffalo Bills? Um, I mean, I think I'm, I'm doing what needs to be done for this team right now. Um, you know, I think I've been learning. I've been growing, you know, especially since last time we played the Patriots. You know, that was a three-interception game that I, you know, wish I had a lot of throws back in that when I was going over the film again today. Like, just little bonehead mistakes that, you know, I feel like I've cleaned up since then, so – um, you know, I'm still not where I want to be, want to be still not where I need to be. Uh, I know that and I'm going to keep working and keep grinding. But, you know, e- as each game passes, um, I feel like I learn from these games and that experience is, uh, you know, it's been, it's been awesome to have, and it's going to be huge for me. I feel like you guys are a different offense from the last time you guys played the, the new England Patriots. You know, you referenced the mistakes. You didn't have Devin Singletary who was out for that game. You know, we referenced Tyler Croft earlier in the, in the interview, how have you guys evolved, whether it's talent, confidence, scheme, since the last time you guys played the New England Patriots? Well, I, I want to say that was week five, um, may, maybe week four. So you got to think about it. The guys that we've brought in, how, how new and how unfamiliar um, we were with each other. Um, so over the course of the season, we've been able to learn um, about each guy and figure out what schemes work. Um, what blocking assignments that our O-line likes in the run game and how our pass protection should mirror up, um, you know, with our route concepts. So we've been learning. We've been growing. You know, Coach Dable's been doing an awesome job with us and, and switching things up and keeping defenses on their heels. But, um, again, the guys in the stock room is what makes this team tick. Um, let, let there be no doubt about that. Um, we got guys that just want to win football games and that's what we try to go out there each week and do. I don't think Brian Dayball gets enough credit for the job that he does. I mean, you know, everyone could have a moment where, you know, someone like me is critical. The Cleveland game comes to mind. But, you know, you put pressure on the opposition. You could run the ball. Devin runs the ball. Frank runs the ball. Weapons to throw it to. How does he do that? How do you do that in terms of diversity? And also, I don't think you guys get enough credit for this. The dynamic nature of this offense. You got a bunch of cats, including yourself, throwing it and running it, who could hit a home run on any play. Devin could hit a home run. John could hit a home run. Cole's had a great year. How does Brian Dayball every week with you go into the laboratory and do it? Well, Brian, Coach Dayball, he he watches more film than anybody I've ever been around. You know, he's constantly, constantly in the facility. Um, you know, doing what he needs to do to find out. Uh, what the weaknesses are of the defense. Um, and like you said, when you do have different options to give the ball to, as a coordinator, that, that can be a little tricky at times because who do you want to get the ball to at what point in the game, um, who's winning their matchup. So there's a lot that goes into it. But he's been doing a great job in putting us in situations where, um, you know, we have a better chance of succeeding. And I really appreciate what he's been doing, the relationship that we have. It continues to grow. Um, and the thing about Coach Dable is he's never closed-minded about anything. Uh, if you have a route concept, whether you're the quarterback, tight end, receiver, first year, tenth year, if you want to go up and talk to him and ask him to look at this, 
Um, if you if you want a different concept in, he's going to look at it and he's going to try it out. And if it works, he's going to keep it. So he's been very open-minded about trying new things, and uh, you know that's why I think we've had so much success. Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing that. That's a great anecdote. And listen, Sean McDermott's getting my vote for Coach of the Year. You know, he's a brilliant defensive mind, great staff, the culture, the accountability. Josh, how would you describe it as the quarterback, the leader, what it's like practice game day playing for Sean McDermott? Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's my, only my second year in the league, and I've not known anything otherwise. Um, but from guys that have come to di- come from different places, you know, all they can say is how how different it is here than where they were. You know, how much more structured, how much more family oriented it is, and you know, it comes from the top. And Coach McDermott's been doing a great job in setting the foundation here and really trying to set us on the trajectory for what he wants this team to be. Um, and I really think it starts with a, a team family-like first atmosphere, and that's what we got here in Buffalo. I referenced the last time you played the Patriots. Singletary didn't play in that one. How vital is he to success Saturday in Foxborough? Oh, I mean, he's going to be extremely vital, um, you know, as, as well as all other 10 guys on the field. But he, he's a different runner. He's very dynamic. He sees things um, that not a lot of people can see. His vision's tremendous, um, and he's able to – make some guys miss he's he's i like to call him slippery um so he just keeps doing his thing you know we got to keep finding ways to get him the ball and in the past game he's been he's been really good for us too as far as body language goes um but yeah he's very dangerous when the ball's in his hands you've done it before and you reference what happened last time what's the challenge as a young quarterback going up against a bill belichick coach defense well uh it's not it's no no easy task, uh, I'll tell you that. Sure. But not trying to get caught up in the moment of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and, and the guys that they got on defense and how well they've been playing. you got to stick to yourself. you got to understand your rules and stick with them, not try to do too much, especially early on in the game. Um, and I think that's where I failed last last time we played them. I tried to, I tried to do too much early on, and it cost us. So, um, you know, finding completions early on, getting them a little worn out and frustrated if they want to keep bringing pressure, um, and then just going out there and executing and trusting our 10 guys on the field. Yeah, compartmentalizing that is important. Josh, when you play a team, and it's interesting you reference Belichick, you reference Brady, are you solely focused on the opposition's defense, or do you consider who you're playing at quarterback, or no matter who you're playing, oh, by the way, you could be playing the greatest of all time on Saturday? Yeah. Um, no, there, there's some factors that go into it. Obviously, as the quarterback, I worry about what the defense is doing um, and, and how to attack them. But at the same time, you know, things like weather and location and whether we're home or away, it plays into the decisions that, that you would typically make, um, especially on third down. You know, um, so if it's a field position game, if, if that's, you know, in the flow of the game, that's how we feel it is. Smarter decisions take care of the football, not putting it in harm's way. Or if it's a uh, we got to go score, let's let's take some calculated risks and let's uh, let's find a way to get the ball downfield. You get off the flights wee hours of the morning after you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's twenty degrees in lovely Western New York. Again, it's the wee hours of the morning. Bills fans are going nuts at the airport. How would you describe that scene? It was. I mean, it's like something out of a movie. Um, we felt like 
like rock stars in a band. We stepped out of the uh, plane and like I'm serious. I put my fingers up and the crowd went crazy and like it, it was just, it was really cool. Um, it was a very cool moment and to be a part of that and to have the support of Bill's Mafia and have them show it to us. It meant a lot to our team uh, for sure. And uh, you know we're going to continue to need them um, and their support as we continue the season and go into the postseason. So. Uh, they've been awesome for us, and that's all we can ask for. So I think it's important in sports, and I mean this, to kind of take a minute and celebrate and validate, especially football. It's a journey. You know, all the work you put in, you make the playoffs, that's an accomplishment. So at what point in the week, especially with the game on Saturday, you celebrate, you validate, rock star mentality. At what point do you then, as you started the interview, which I love, Josh, do you then say, all right, it's the Patriots, and you know what? We have bigger fish to fry. We we made it. That's great. We still want to win a division. Correct. Um, and that, that's the thing. We, we, we're we not trying to get caught up in the playoffs right now. And there's, like I said, there's still two more weeks to go that we can learn from and grow from um, as a team. So that's what we're going to try to do. And, again, it's no secret that, that the division's not sealed up yet, and we got to give ourselves a chance. So, um, our best bet is going in Saturday and, and putting our best foot forward. I asked Lamar Jackson this question. I'm curious to get your response. Do you at all take a moment and go back to some of the haters, the critics, before the NFL draft and say, hey, doing okay here in, in 2019 at the quarterback position for the Buffalo Bills? Um, I mean, not, not really. Um, I, I care about those who – have known me for a long time, my friends, my family, my teammates. Um, that's really who I care about. And there's a cool, cool story. Um, after the Pittsburgh game, I kind of went around and circled the, the stadium and found, uh, you know, was trying to find Buffalo fans and give them a high five. And I looked up and there was my offensive coordinator from junior college. Um, and I, you know, gave him a big hug. And oh, wow. It just kind of, yeah, he was the guy out of high school that recruited me. You know, I had no offers. Um, and to see him in the crowd and just to kind of look back and, you know, if he wasn't in my life and he didn't recruit me, who knows where I'd be right now. So um, it, it, that was a cool story and that kind of hit me and it was very kind of a very surreal feeling. Um, it was awesome to share, share that with him. Oh, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Giving me the chills once again. Josh, final question. At any point would you consider after a Super Bowl jumping through a table? Oh, one thousand percent. That's what Bill's Mafia will ask for. That's what I will give Bill's Mafia. All right, that's the way to do it. Josh, you're the best. It's been an unbelievable season. Congrats on everything. Hey, not done yet. Best of luck against the New England Patriots. Think it's going to be a great weekend for you guys. Continued success, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Adam. You're the man. Appreciate you. You got it, Josh Allen, the outstanding quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. For more of me, Adam Shine. Who doesn't want more me? I love me. You can listen to me on my Sirius XM radio show, Shine on Sports. We always get the best guests. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry. I mean, we live for this. Best guests in all the sports talk radio, best callers. It airs every weekday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. You can also listen to the radio show on demand with the Sirius XM app. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. Amazing news for Bob Stew, the gift of the calendar. We are done with Thursday night football for the year. So that's good news because Bob Stew can't lose on Thursdays. 
But he can lose on Saturdays and Sundays. Can we just end the season? Week 15, Bob Stew, 4-12. and 12. Four wins, 12 losses. I was feeling great about things, win 9-7. and seven. Mikey Fitz beat me by a game, 10-6. and six. The damn Carolina Panthers. I hate the Carolina Panthers. I had that pick with Seattle. You had Seattle, right, Bob? Of course I had Seattle. It was 30-10. to 10. I felt great. That was my first mistake, apparently. We had the exact same pick. Yeah, sorry. So on the season, Mikey Fitz now three games ahead. I mean, my record is 116-104-5. Mikey Fitz, 119-101-5. This is ridiculously incredible. By the way, I love... When we get the Saturday games, oh, isn't that the best? I can't wait for that. And all these, all three of these games are unbelievable matchups. By the way, I don't think that's exaggeration, Bob. I mean, if you go in order of the time, Texans Bucks is going to be a very entertaining game. Houston took care of business. I did predict that one against Tennessee in Tennessee. They play up to their level of competition. You know, they need to they're, – they're not out of the woods in terms of winning the division. They still need these games. What do you have it at? Texans by three in Tampa? Yeah, we have Texans as a three-point road favorite. They got to win that game and cover. It's funny. It opened at one, the injuries to wide receivers. Of course, Godwin and Evans has been out for at least a week and a half now. But those two have shifted the line up to three at this point. I'm going Houston. Who are you picking in that one, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go Houston as well. As long as Will Fuller's on the field, that offense is changes it's a, everything. It's a game changer. It really is. And I think that Tampa is going to struggle a little bit more offensively with Godwin and joining Evans uh, out for this game. How about Winston? He could be a 30-30 guy. Touchdowns, interceptions. Warren Sapp, by the way, on the podcast a few weeks ago made the point that Tampa was going to keep Jameis Winston. I was skeptical. At this stage, you know, they're 7-7, seven and seven, which is remarkable. They feel more like a 4-5 win team. Bobby picking Houston or Tampa? You guys are not going to like this. You might as well change your picks because I also like Houston. And Jameis Winston, though, he does look like Sean Elway lately. I just don't think Brashad Perryman's catching three touchdowns that this was game. Wild. The Texans, look, they have a lot to play for. You know they're going to come to play. I love the Texans in this one, which means they're probably going to lose. You know I'm picking the Buffalo Bills outright. Of course, you, you, you have to. You know I'm picking the Buffalo Bills to beat the Patriots. You know why? They have the better quarterback and the better offense. I mean, it's not even up for debates. Listen, Brady's the greatest of all time. The New England Patriots have one of the worst offenses in the entire league. I know who Brady is historically. I live for Tom Brady. Let's stop pretending that we're going to see that. Even against Cincinnati, the offense was dreadful. Mike, who are you picking with the points? With the points, I'll take the Bills. I do think the Patriots are going to win outright. Their offense isn't good, but they don't turn the ball over a lot, which I think Buffalo really does a good job of. That's how they capitalize defensively. Uh, so I think that they'll, they'll probably play the field position game. I think the Patriots are going to win. Buffalo covers. Yeah, the line is 6.5. The Patriots obviously at home and are favored. But my opinion is if the Patriots don't win this game on defense, they're not going to win this game. Yeah. They have to play excellent on defense every single game just to win these football games. The offense has looked absolutely terrible. I mean, all the injuries have really caught up to the Patriots. They look absolutely horrible. Tom Brady against the Bengals, he didn't look good at all. The Bengals were only losing by a couple points at the half. 
this is it's kind of ridiculous. If Stephon Gilmore doesn't pick off Andy Dalton multiple times. And he's going to get my vote for Defensive Player of the Year. And he had a fantastic game. Yeah. He literally won them the game in the second half against the Bengals. He had two interceptions. Absolutely. One pick six. He just single-handedly took the game over like usually a quarterback would. The Patriots offense just was not good against the Bengals. It's the Bengals. What are they going to do against the Bills? By the way, did you notice at the end of that game, Catalan was doing it, our friend Andrew Catalan, who you heard on the podcast, we told the Lou story, <laughs> and it was the first Patriot game that they've done, and they were showing a shot of Belichick right at the end of the game, and Catalan mentioned that Lou was from West Warwick, Rhode Island, <laughs> and said, you know, our spotter, John McCarthy, most of you know him as Lou, so <laughs> good shout out to the story from, from the Adam Shine podcast. Now, I've been saying all week on Shine on Sports, while the Niners have the quote-unquote toughest schedule of these 11-3 and teams down the stretch, I think the Niners are going to win out. And even though they laid an egg against Atlanta, even with the injuries, I think they're going to beat the Rams. I think they're going to win in Seattle. What are we playing this one at as of the taping at 2.30 on Tuesday? Six and a half? Yeah, the Niners are currently six and a half point favorites at home. I, I, I'm. This is subject to change my mind by our pick segment live on Channel Sports on Friday, but I'm leaning on San Francisco. Uh, that is a big number, Bob. I'm surprised you're not scarred from what just happened with Atlanta. Was that ten and a half? I'm surprised you're not scarred. What happened with the Rams and the Cowboys? I guess we're just very scarred for yeah. both of these teams. <laughs> I really, because you have to pick somebody. We pick every and single the Niners, game. To your point, do play close games. They do, but the deep. I just. I can't believe they lost to the Falcons. So you're going to take the Rams. You're leaning yeah, on the I, Rams. But I can't believe what the Rams did against Dallas. I, uh, you know you know what, to me, the determining factor is? It's Goff. Yeah, but it's, it's Goff funny. against his defense, and it's also Kyle Shanahan getting the attention of his team after the Falcon debacle. It's funny. I declared the Texans lost the week before the worst loss of the season. You could argue the Rams, what they did against Dallas, was the worst loss of the season. It's pretty bad. They didn't even show up, and Dallas had lost three in a row. The Rams' offense was – I don't know what's happened to Cooper Cup. I don't know what's happened to the Rams' offense at all. Todd Gurley had like 20 yards on the ground. He looks terrible. Ugh, I mean, if I had, you if I had a pick? to pick somebody, I got to go with the Niners, I guess. Jeez, you went full circle on that. This Mike? is by far – this is the hardest game of the week to pick. I agree. I saw that line. I was like, oh, no. No. I'll go, I got to go with the Niners. You got to go with the Niners. Uh, uh, Mike? Yeah, I'm leaning towards the Niners, too. The injuries to uh, Richard Sherman and Weston Richburg do yeah. scare Big. me. Big. Uh, I, I think the Niners are going to be able to put up points against this Rams defense, which disappointed against Dallas. I thought they'd they play a lot better against the Cowboys. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean the Niners as of right now. All right. I'm going to give you three games where I'm going to pick the upset winner. <laughs> that would rock the playoff oh, race. Oh, I like this one. Tell me if you agree, disagree, why. Jets no. outright no. beat Doc Hodges Ugh. and the Pittsburgh Steelers. No. You don't count, Bob. You're a Jets fan. I had been nailing the Jets up until the Ravens debacle. <laughs> yeah, nice pick, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, but every pick was bad, so I mean... No, the Jets. That's a. I think that's a terrible pick, to be honest. I think the Dog Hodges. Yeah, but it, the Jets' defense is completely crippled. They don't have anybody. The, Can't you, you at, see Le'Veon Bell for the first time as a no, Jet actually caring? Because I just don't think Adam Gase is going to give him the ball. He just, that's a valid the game point. Game plan is a disaster. They don't know what they're doing. That's a valid point. And I even looked at this from the beginning of the season. The Jets have lost six starters on defense that started the season. 
in the starting lineup. Six. That's the crazy. defense is terrible. Now, granted, if Jamal Adams plays, maybe my pick will change, but I think the Steelers, they're going to roll the Jets. And you know MetLife's going to be it's a pseudo-home game. It, yeah. Look what the Steelers do. It's not Look, Jersey's not far from Pittsburgh. And they have fans everywhere. Jets everywhere. fans, they're going to be flying to Florida. They're not going to this game. Absolutely not. How about you, Mike? I agree with you. I think the Jets, I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers defense is absolutely great. Uh, but I don't see their offense being able to do much as long as Jamal Adams plays, like Bob said. Am I nuts picking Tennessee at home to beat the New Orleans Saints? Cry, I think you are a little bit nuts for this one specifically. No I mean, Davenport. Rankins is hurt. Uh, the line's been jumping all over the place. I saw it as low as two and a half. It's up to three now. The Saints are road favorites. Three. Shorter week. The Titans, I don't they lost to they lost to Houston. I think the magic's kind of worn out there. I mean, he's being fair. I think this is it. Mike made the point earlier. I mean, Will Fuller plays. That that passing attack is dynamic. Yeah, I picked Houston defense. to win that game. I think I had a bad matchup. By the way, Alvin Kamara, since the injury doesn't look like vintage Alvin Kamara, I think Derrick Henry could run on. I thought Kamara looked better on Monday night. Better. I thought he looked better. He had but not, 66 but not yards vintage. on 14 carries. Not vintage. Yeah, but he didn't have to be. Agreed. And remember, all the Saints wanted to do was throw because Breeze wanted the record. I think he might have to be in this game. A little dirtier. Uh, fair. You know, outdoors, that that I think could be different. I think a big thing on Monday night, the Saints defense looked unbelievable. I didn't they see that coming. after Jimmy J. I didn't see anything coming last week. Colts are shot. What about you? <laughs> hey, Mike, uh, Bob also picked the uh, the Colts with the points. Good pick. <laughs> Who are you taking in Tennessee and, and New Orleans? I'm leaning towards agreeing with you. I'm not – don't put it in stone. Don't put it in marker. This is in pencil. Uh, I'm leaning towards agreeing with you. I don't think Kamara's been the same since they lost Ingram in the offseason, to That's be honest That's a really with interesting yeah. point. I think Henry's going to be able to do something against the Saints' defense. And the Titans' the Titans' weapons, A.J. Brown, has looked incredible, incredible the last few weeks since Tannehill's really stepped up. I Like I said, Henry's going to have a good game. Tannehill, he's going to throw for three touchdowns, I think. I'm leaning towards Tennessee, not 100% locked in yet. Give you one more. Love the Packers. Win outrights in Minnesota. And since Kirk Cousins, he's at his worst when the lights go down, never wins on Monday Night Football. Mike, I like the Green Bay Packers to win this game with their defense outright. I agree with you, especially with the reports that Dalvin Cook might not play for the rest, at least the rest of the regular season. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play a little bit better than he has been playing. It's fair. And I think obviously he has the potential to do that. I think the Packers are going to win this game. I think when you can get Aaron Rodgers four and a half points on the road, primetime matchup, I think you have to take Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings are a great team. I've kind of been sleeping on them, too. I keep waiting for the Vikings to have that letdown, that disappointing game. It hasn't happened. I also like the Packers. I think they're going to win the game. I would take them outright. All right. I'm going to give you one more. Tell me what you agree and disagree with. Ranking the four 11-3 teams. I would go San Francisco still number one by a hair over Green Bay, by a hair over New Orleans, by a hair over Seattle in terms of most likely to get to the Super Bowl. I like the Saints number one. I just think they have the best team. I think I love Breeze in the playoffs. Then I would go with the Niners because I think the defense is still one of the best units in the league despite what happened in New Orleans. I give up 46 points. It's a little concerning. Then I would go with the Packers, and I would finish off with the Seahawks. 
Yeah, I, I think I would go San Francisco number one, then New Orleans number two. So none of us have the same top two in order. Keep going. No, right, and then I think the Packers number three, and the Seahawks in last. I just think they don't have they don't have enough around Russ to really bring them to the ne- the next level. I agree, and yeah, I always say the divisional round yeah. in the NFL. The best consecutive days in all of sports, best weekend in sports this year, specifically in the NFC, it's going to be lit. Fantasy football next. Adam Schein, fantasy football legend. So my cell phone rings at 3.20 on Sunday. 3.20 on Sunday, and it's Stone. And he says, how the hell did we not start Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Stone. You didn't get in contact with me once. We texted about other stuff. Now, one text about daily fantasy. But I love it how Stone wants to pick up the phone. Didn't even text. Picked up. Who picks up the phone he anymore? Called. You? He called. No. So, you know, I mean, our, our, our girls are playing tennis at the time. So I'm thinking there's an emergency or something. I say, <laughs> phone, Stone, pick up the phone. And we didn't play Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Stone, did you tell me to play him? No. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, we, we put up a ton of points, did well, went with the Hopkins and Watson stack, which was good. You know, I had I started Higby, which was unbelievable. Had, you know, Slayton, which was tremendous. Michael Thomas, he was outstanding. You know, made, made some good moves. Started James White's. He was solid. Starting the Charger defense, not so much. Uh, got me one point. David Montgomery, I mean, thanks to Matt Nagy. I don't even credit the Packers. He neutered him. Chopped him off. I mean, he, he, give, him the, give him the ball. Give him the rock. Unbelievable. So, you know, top two out of this 20-team league that I'm in for, for the daily, you get paid. So we finished third three times. We're, we're, we're not going to finish in the money. Wow. I told Stone he didn't have to pay me, and he could just take me out to dinner. We go out for drinks. <laughs> but I, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So it's over. This is it? Do you All have right. any weeks week left 16, in this? Week 16, week 17. Okay, so you still have two weeks. My confidence level is not that high. Any any recommendations for the stack? Yeah. Should, I, I, should I go Dak, Zeke? That's an excellent one. Yeah, Dak and Zeke, you could do that. Personally, I think it's going to be cheap. I like Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton against the Lions secondary. The Lions secondary is the worst in the NFL. Look what Jameis Winston just did to the Lions. Locke? Sutton. 450 yards and four touchdowns for Jameis Winston. Lock and Sutton. As long as Sutton's 100% healthy, that's the lock that I would go with. Lock of the lock. Are are you giving me a player who's not healthy? Well, we have to see the reports. (laughs) Bob, I can't do that. Mike, any stacks stand out to you? I was looking at it. Call me a homer if you want. That's fine. I was looking at Matt Ryan, Julio Jones against the Jaguars Jaguars defense. Homer. At home in in uh, Atlanta, I really I like that stack. Oh, that's yeah. that's pretty sweet. I like that one too. That's a that's an excellent stack. Atlanta, Would you, I mean, it'll probably be expensive. Russ and Lockett. Yeah, I mean, Russ has been unbelievable. You know, it's funny with Lockett though. He was much better last week, but ever since the injury, he kind of slowed down for about three weeks. He did look much better last week. The Cardinals do give up a lot of points in the secondary. It's not great, but hey, Patrick Peterson actually looked really great last week. He did. For the Card- he looked great against Cleveland. He looked awesome. So I got. That makes me a little bit nervous. Actually, how many championship Lockett. games are you in? 
I'm in two. I'm in the Shine on Sports Fantasy Championship. Knocked off Dr. Falcon. America, Canada was extremely upset with me. Got our great friend, great caller of the show, Chad in California. And, of course, I'm in the Sirius XM Dynasty Final again. I can't wait for that one. That one's the toughest one I'm in. So A that was Dynasty awesome. League? What goes into this Dynasty League? Well, it's 50... 50-man rosters. 50-man rosters? 14 teams, 50-man rosters. The draft takes months. It takes about three months. What is that? What are you doing on on computer, on email, text? Yeah, email. You get eight hours a pick. If you don't pick after eight hours, yeah, you lose your pick. So what happens? Has anyone ever lost a pick? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. It happens. So what happens? I guess people just sleep too long. They lose their pick. Somebody else jumps them in line. Yeah, so what happens if you make a pick right before someone goes to bed? No, it stops. The clock stops overnight. Stops from twelve to to like eight. Yeah, the clock. Who stops. runs the league? Deutsch. Uh, Matt Deutsch did. It's actually Jamie Oppenheim who used to work for the company. Jamie Oppenheim. Did I make him cry once? <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I did. In like two thousand six, he was all excited to write our two thousand five. He was excited to write up Chalk Talk. A good story about Op. He uh, actually had the best team last year. He lost. He traded all 50 of his players. All 50 players. It's a nice players. kid. What's he doing nowadays? Well, he's losing in fantasy football. His <laughs> team is the worst team in the history of the league. He didn't win a game. It's a disgrace. Traded every all 50 players of his team. Is that legal? 50. He has like 30 draft picks the next two years. Is that kosher? I mean, he's the commissioner. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, there's got to be unrest. Who else, who else is in this league? There's a lot of, uh, you got Dr. Roto and Mike Dempsey of the Fantasy Channel. Dr. Matt, Roto's in the league? He's in the championship final again. Dr. Roto, he's a doctor of Roto, of course. Went to a lot of years of medical school for fantasy football. Of course. Matt Deutsch runs the Fantasy Channel. He's in it. Nick Pavlados. Runs NFL Radio, my he's old in producer. The Bill Zimmerman, of course. Runs executive producer, Mad Dog Sports Mad Dog Radio. Radio, big Bears fan. He's got the Bears podcast. Of course, Bears banner. Of course, Eddie Borsilli. He's a big big time producer over on NFL Radio. There's a lot of who's who's in this league. Borsilli should be cleaning up in that league. He's terrible. He's, He's terrible, terrible. Terrible fantasy player. Horrible. Really? Yeah. He's Borsilli? much better this year. He's too. You know what? Have you ever been in a conversation with Nick Pavlados about his NL only team? Oh, it's a vortex. That is like the black hole of (laughs) conversation. You could just ask him one. You you are in for a minimum of 60 minutes (laughs) if you ask Nick Pavlados about his NL fantasy team. It's the vortex. You get caught in the vortex, and then you just talk to Nick for a half an hour about his NL only. Tell Oppenheim I said hello. I'll tell him you said hello. And and apologize for making him cry. I didn't like his script. I'll let him know. Maybe, Maybe that's an exaggeration, or maybe it's not. Maybe I don't know. Not. I, I don't feel know. like I made him cry. More after this. Here's what's on Shine's mind. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Josh Allen, that was amazing. Pop Stew, incredible. Mikey Fitz, incredible. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on iTunes and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button and leave a review because you love the Adam Shine Podcast. You can always catch me every weekday. On my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Of course, we interact with you every day on radio, taking your outstanding telephone calls. We have the best guests in sports talk radio. You, of course, can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Adam Shine. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again real soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, Sirius XM 82. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh. 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 